So, the book of Hebrews was written to Jewish people who had come to know about Jesus. Before they believed in Jesus, they thought that they did all the thi- if they did all the things right, that would make God happy with them. But then, they came to know Jesus, and they believed that the only way that God can be pleased with them, that, God, that they can have a right relationship with God, was because Jesus died to pay for their sins. And this became really important to these people, these Jewish believers. So they started living like that was important. And they started telling people that that was important very much. They got really angry at those people talking about how important Jesus was to them. And so they put them to shame. People stopped liking them. People started calling them names. People threw them in jail for, lo- for loving Jesus. Well, they started to get scared. They didn't, they didn't want to not be liked. Life was really hard for them. So they started to think, you know what? What if I just live the way that I used to live before I knew Jesus, but not make Jesus that important? Well, the person who wrote Hebrews, we actually don't know that guy's name, but he said he, he, he wanted to write a book to the Hebrews to tell them, no, it is so important that we make Jesus the most important thing. In fact, it's dangerous if we go back from making Jesus the most important thing. He is the only thing worth being the most important thing in our whole lives. We have to have faith in Jesus. So we're at the part of this guy's letter to those Jewish believers. That's Hebrews chapter 11. And he starts out this this chapter by saying this. He says, faith is assurance of things hoped for and conviction of things not seen. When I say the word faith, you might not know what that means. That might be kind of confusing. So what he does is first he tells you what faith means. He says, it's assurance of things hoped for and conviction of things not seen. And you might say, okay, that might have helped just a little bit for me to understand what faith is about, but I still don't really know. I don't really understand what faith means. And the author of Hebrews knew we would kind of think that. So he gave us lots of pictures and examples of ways that we could see what faith really means. He gave us lots of pictures of people who had faith that God talks about. And a picture I want to give you before we start, just to help you try to understand what it means to have faith. Have you ever gone on a vacation, maybe at spring break or at the end of school? Anybody ever done that? Your parents say to you, okay, as soon as we're done with school for the year, we're going to go on vacation. My parents would do that. We would always go up to a family, a family cabin at the end of the, the school year. And it was, I looked forward to that day so much. My parents promised me that once school was done, we would get to go on this vacation. So you better believe every day I was thinking about that while I was doing school. I was getting my schoolwork done because I was ready to go on that vacation when that day came, Right? I packed my bags like days before. I I woke up super early on the day that we were supposed to go, and I packed the car. I did everything so that we could go as as fast as possible there. I was so ready. I asked mom and dad all the days coming up, when is it getting closer? Are we getting close? Is this the day? Do you know why I was that excited? Because when my mom and dad promised me that we were going to go on vacation, I believed them. I thought, okay, we're actually going to go. Now, if I didn't believe them, do you think I'd be very excited? Probably not. I'd probably leave all of my clothes safely tucked in my dresser drawer. It's not fun living out of a bag of clothes in your own house. If you're not going anywhere, you want your clothes in your dresser, not in your bag, right? 
You're not getting ready to go anywhere. I might make friends, plans with friends, like, oh, I'll probably still be home on Monday because we're not doing anything. Mom and Dad said we're going to go, but I don't really believe them, right? See, faith is believing that when, what they promised is actually true. And so when we say we have faith in the promises of God, we're, we're really talking about having faith that when Jesus paid for our sins. When he died on the cross to pay for our sins, we believe that is actually true. And all that God has promised for people who believe in Jesus, he is actually going to give to us. So we have faith in what Jesus has done to die on the cross to pay for our sins. Now, at this point in the book of Hebrews, in chapter 11, the author of Hebrews says that it, without faith, it is impossible to please God. We need faith to please God. Let me, let me put it to you like this. Any of you guys like dogs? I like dogs. Uh, would you like a dog that every time you tried to pet it, it bit you or barked at you? It was like super mean. Probably not. You probably wouldn't like a dog like that too much. What if you had a dog that you tried to potty train it outside, but it just went to the bathroom in your super clean house all the time and made your house super gross and disgusting. That doesn't sound very nice. Uh, what if you tried to teach the dog to listen? Come, sit, stay. And that dog didn't listen to that. Would you like that dog very much? Would you be very pleased with that dog? No, that'd be disgusting. You wouldn't want a dog like that. You would, you would get rid of that dog as fast as possible. Guess what? The Bible says that we are like that dog except for worse. We are born enemies of God. We are born, in a, we are born wanting to fight against God. Our heart's desire is not to obey him, but to fight against him. In our sin, God is so perfect, there's not a spot of sin in heaven where he lives. He is completely perfect and sinless in every single way. And we are much dirtier than that dog who soils up his house. We don't listen to God. In fact, the Bible says it's impossible for us to listen to God unless God changes our hearts. So why would God be pleased with us? How on earth could God be happy with someone who's his enemy, who somebody's filthy and dirty, who's someone who never listens to him? How on earth could God be pleased with someone like that? There's only one way. There's only one way in the Bible that we can ever make God happy with us. Do you know how that is? It's by faith in what Jesus has done for us. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's what we're going to be talking about today from the book of Hebrews. Without faith, it is impossible for us to please God. Let me read Hebrews 11, 4 through 7. It says, By faith... Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him up. Now before he was taken up, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God 
concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. This is God's word. Let me pray before we start going to God's word. God, we ask this morning that you would open up our eyes to understand what your word means and that you would change our hearts. We need you to understand your word, and I need you in order to teach your word rightly. Lord, would you help us to understand what it means to have faith in you? I pray that everyone who hears your word this morning would walk away and know what it means to have faith in you, and that you would change our hearts so that we can have faith in you and that we can please you. Please, Lord, make our lives pleasing to you through transforming us from your word today. Pray these things in your name. Amen. So we as I read those, as we as I read those stories, or that that, that verse about those three guys um, that, that that the Hall of Faith talks about, Abel and Enoch and Noah. Did you notice something? It says that by faith, everyone, every one of them had faith, and every one of them was this word commended by God. That meant that God saw their faith and was pleased by it and held it up as an example and said, this is, this is faith that pleases me. So we're going to see, we want to please God by faith, right? We want to do that. I mean, there's only one way to do that. We want to do that. So we're going to look at their examples and see how can we have faith like their faith so that we can live lives that are pleasing to God. So first, we want to look at Abel. How did Abel please God? Uh, uh, the first point we have today is worship Abel had worship that pleases God. Abel had worship that pleased God. So who were Cain and Abel? Maybe you haven't heard that story before. They were the sons of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve had just left the Garden of Eden. Do you remember this story? And they had sinned, and God told them that they would die, but no one had died yet. And then they had a couple sons, Cain and Abel. Abel was a, uh, as a, he was a sheep farmer. Sheep, well, I don't know, what's the word, right? Is that the right word, Dan? Sheep farmer, okay, shepherd, maybe. <laughs> he raised sheep. And he would take and sacrifice his sheep to God, and we'll talk about what that means in a second. And God accepted his offering. And his brother Cain was a farmer who grew stuff out of the ground. He grew fruits and vegetables. And he would take his crop and he would bring that to God and he would, as a sacrifice as well. But it says that God accepted Abel's offering and that he didn't accept Cain's offering. God told Cain that he would have accepted his offering, actually. In Genesis 4, he talks about this. He says, if you, do right, if you would do right, I would accept your offering. So it wasn't that God just doesn't like fruits and vegetables, um, but that there was something different about how Cain offered. He wasn't doing right. He wasn't offering in the way that God wanted him to. And the author of Hebrews says that's that, that, that is by faith. We'll talk about that. So why, let's talk about why Abel offered his sacrifice. What does that mean? The, the author of Hebrews says this. Why, this is why uh, Abel offered his sacrifice. If you jump down to verse 13 in chapter 11, it, this whole list of guys, it lists a bunch of guys, it lists... Our three guys, Abel, Enoch, and Noah. Then it lists Abraham. And then it lists uh, Sarah, his wife. 
he says this right after it lists all those people. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land at which they had gone out, they would not have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. So when, what, basically what it's saying there is that as Abel offered up those lambs, the fattest and the best little lambs of his flock, he was doing that to say to God, I believe you have something so much better than my best thing on earth in store for me. So let me give you my best thing on earth because I know there is something much greater for me waiting in heaven. It says that he was waiting for something, a better country, a heavenly one. So when he was sacrificing by faith, that, he was showing that he was waiting for a heavenly country. When we offer our best to God because we know he is better than anything we have here on, on earth, you know what that's called? That's called worship. We worship God by offering him our best here on earth because we know he is better than anything else on earth. There's, some way, there's different ways we worship God. One way we commonly worship God is by singing. We sing in a way to God that we don't sing to anyone else or about anything else in the world. We sing about God as being the greatest, as the only hope. We read and we listen to the Bible. We worship by doing this because we realize God's word is the true word. It's the only true word. When we live our lives obeying God and doing things the way that the Lord has asked us to do them, like when we give to people in need or you obey your parents or you work hard at school or at work or when you show love to people who don't deserve you to show love back, we do all of this because because that's, we care about doing things God's way, which is more important than the way you care about. You're showing that God is greater than anything else that you have here on earth. So why was God pleased with Abel's worship? Why was he able to be pleased with Abel's worship? Think about this. Let's go back to that picture of the dog. Our, our worship to God, our best efforts to try to please God, he's so great and we are... We are his enemies. If we just try to worship him on our own, it'd be like a dog going out to the side of the road and picking up a dead animal that it finds and dragging it into the house and offering it as a gift. Our worship wouldn't be good enough. It'd be gross. It'd be disgusting because we are not right. We would not be right with God. So how can God accept our offering of worship? How can, how can we have acceptable offerings of worship to God? This is what the author of Hebrews says. In Hebrews 9, 12 through 14, he says, Jesus, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by the means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls, if by the blood of goats and bulls, the sprinkling of of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer, sanctify the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ through the eternal spirit offered, uh, through the eternal spirit offered him self without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. What that means is that Jesus' offering, Jesus offered himself first. And because he paid for our sins, Jesus offered himself as the sacrifice first. And God was, 
glad to accept his offering, now our worship actually matters to God. Because Jesus has pleased him first, when we sing or when we live our lives, when we read God's word, God can actually be happy with that if we believe that Jesus has first pleased God by forgiving our sins. How awesome is that to think that our worship actually pleases God if we have faith in what Jesus has done. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. So Abel worshipped in a way that pleased God. Enoch walked in a way that pleases God. So who was Enoch? Let's, let's talk about Enoch. Enoch was a great, 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 great grandson of Adam. Uh, let me read you the short Bible verse that talks about Enoch. I'll actually read a few verses from that chapter, and you can, maybe you can tell the difference between the verse that, that talks about Enoch and all these other verses. So I'll start with Adam, and I'll talk about Adam, and then his kid, and then his kid, and his kid, kid, all the way down to Enoch, and you see if you can spot the difference. It says this, Adam lived 930 years, and he died. All the days of Seth, Adam's son, were 912 years, and he died. All the days of Enosh were 905 years, and he died. All the days of Kenan were 910 years, and he died. All the days of Mahalalel were 895 years, and he died. All the days of Jared were 962 years, and he died. All the days of Enoch were 365 years, and he died. Nope. Wrong. Thanks, Jordan. I really appreciate the hype, man. (laughs) All the days of Enoch were 365 years. And then it says, Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him up. What does it mean that Enoch walked with God? The author of Hebrews tells us what that means. God rewarded Enoch for walking with God by having him not die. This is, what the, this is what the author of Hebrews says about Enoch. Says in verse 5, By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him up. Now before he was taken up, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith it is impossible to please God. For... This is important. Whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So when it says that Enoch walked with God, it meant that he drew near to God. He he drew near to God. This is actually something that the author of Hebrews has talked about a lot, drawing near to God. Another way you can think about drawing near to God, one way we can draw near to God is by praying to God. So how do we draw near to God in a way that pleases God? So the author of Hebrews says this, that we need to first believe that God exists, right? You won't draw near to God. You won't come to God if you don't think he's real, right? If something is real, it can't help you. If something isn't real, it can't protect you. If something isn't real, it can't show you love. If you don't believe that God is real, you won't ever ask God for help, protection, or love because Why would you? You don't believe he's real. So first you have to believe God is real in order to come to him, in order to draw near to him, and that he rewards those who seek him. 
What does it mean to believe that God will reward those who seek him? First, you must believe that God is good. Because if you don't believe that God is good, why would you ever pray to God? Why would you ask someone who's not good for help? You must believe that God is powerful, that he can offer you a good reward. If he, if he doesn't have power, how, does he, how can he offer you anything? God must be powerful in order to offer you a good reward, right? You also must remember, and this is really important, that God is gracious. Do you know what that means? That God gives us something that we don't deserve. That means he allows even us to come to him. Because remember, why should God allow us to come to him and ask him for anything? Do we deserve to please God on our own? No, we don't. We know that. We've talked about that already, right? How can we come to God if we're not pleasing to him? Listen to this. This is what the Bible says. This is what the author of Hebrews says. This is how we can come to God. It says in Hebrews 4, verses 15 through 16, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. That's Jesus. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Guess what? Because Jesus has forgiven us and he went into God's presence before us, he, enter, he allows us to enter into God's presence and draw near with him. He says, come on in. The way to come in is open. Come in, draw near. So God allows us who, doesn't, we don't, who shouldn't deserve to go into God's presence to go into his presence. And he loves it. It pleases him when we draw near. And he rewards. He gives you a reward for seeking him. Only by faith that Jesus has forgiven us of our sins can we draw near to God in a way that pleases him. Only by believing that Jesus has forgiven us and made, us, made a way for us to go into God's presence can we draw near to God in a way that pleases him. So we know that we can worship in a way that pleases God by faith. We can walk in a way that pleases God by faith, by drawing near to him. And we can watch. Now, that's the third thing we're going to talk about. Watching that pleases God. How Noah watched in a way that is pleasing God. Let me explain that. You know who Noah is? You guys have probably heard of the story of Noah and the flood, right? God warned Noah that he was going to flood the whole earth. Why? Because the earth was so full of evil. And when he's talking about the earth was so full of evil, he was talking about all the people on it. The, every person on earth, every single one was so full of evil. He, God said, I'm done. I'm going to wipe them all out for their evil. I'm going to destroy them. But Noah, I'm going to give you one way to be saved from this judgment that's coming. One way, build an ark. So Noah believed what God said, and he built an ark. He built an ark because it was his only way to escape God's judgment. And when God had flooded the whole earth, he judged everyone on it besides Noah. God did. He destroyed everyone on earth besides Noah and his family because they were so full of sin. After that, Noah left the ark, and guess what? All the evil people were gone. So that's why here in Hebrews 11, verse 7, it calls Noah an heir of righteousness. Because he got, God gave him the gift of a whole world that was now empty 
of sinful people, except for a few sinful people who survived on the ark. Noah was rewarded for believing the warning that God had given him. Did you know that God has given you and I a warning that's a lot like Noah's warning that we need to believe? Just like God said to Noah that he was going to judge the whole world because they were full of evil, God has told us that he's going to come again to judge the whole world because it is full of evil. And that anyone who is caught on that day as his enemy, right? And that's who, how we're all born, right? Everybody starts out as his enemies. They're going to be destroyed in his wrath because God is going to destroy his enemies. There will be no second chances. Like the time when the, the door of the ark closed and sealed shut, there will be a time when there will be no more chance to believe in God. And remember, remember who we are. I want you to remember, if we really are mean enemies of God who are gross with sin and disobedient to God, do we deserve to be saved on that day? Or do we deserve to be destroyed? But there's only one way. There's only one way on that day that we can be pleasing to God. Like the ark was the only way for anyone to survive that flood, there's only one way for us on that day to be pleasing to God. And that is through what Jesus has done for us. By dying on the cross. This is what Hebrews 10, 19 through 22 says. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from the evil conscience and our bodies washed pure with water. Do you know what that means? That we're no longer gross. Jesus' blood has washed away our sins if we have faith in him. So when we get to that day, God won't see us as that dirty, nasty, displeasing dog. He'll look at us, washed clean by Jesus' blood, and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Come in, enter into my rest. He will be pleased with us because we had faith in Jesus. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And there's a whole lot of people out there who don't know about Jesus, who don't have faith in Jesus. And they will not please God on that day unless they turn and have faith in Jesus. And you will not please God on that day unless you believe in Jesus to forgive you from your sins. He has done it though. The ark door is still open. There's a way for you to please God in that last day and to wait for that last day. Since Jesus has paid for our sins, we, and if we have faith in him, we won't be punished on that day. Instead, we will get a great reward so let me ask you this. If we can please God by faith, why wouldn't we? Because Jesus has forgiven you of your sins, you can actually please God by worshiping him. That means 
doing your best work in school for God's glory and actually pleases him. That means learning from God's word actually pleases him. That means obeying your parents and loving your wife or giving something to someone who has need that actually pleases God. All of those things are pleasing to God only because Jesus was first pleasing to God for you. But if you don't believe that, that Jesus' offering was pleasing to God, if you believe that God doesn't care about your worship or that he actually thinks it's just totally inadequate and, and doesn't, he doesn't care at all, he thinks it's actually still bad, then you probably won't care about worshiping a lot. You'll probably work like it really doesn't matter. You'll probably sing and read God's word like it doesn't really matter. Your worship will show what you believe about God. Is God pleased with you, your offering because of what Jesus has done. We can offer acceptable spiritual offerings to God by Jesus Christ. Secondly, because Jesus has forgiven you of your sins, you can actually please God by walking with him. Anytime you want to, you can pray to God. You can pray to God right now if you believe that Jesus has opened up the way into God's presence. God is actually happy to see you and actually glad that you are coming to him. But if you still believe that you are mean and gross and God's enemy, you're probably not going to want to come to God very much, are you? If you don't first believe in what Jesus has done to forgive you for your sins, you're not going to want to pray to him at all. Maybe you don't believe that he's powerful or that he's good. Maybe that's why you don't want to come to him. But if we know that he is truly pleased by us coming to him, why wouldn't we? Because what Jesus has done. Because Jesus has forgiven you of your sins, you can actually please God by listening to his warning. You don't have to be afraid of God's judgment that is coming. Because we know Jesus has paid for our sins completely. God will see us as righteous in that last day. And just like Noah built an ark, and he showed all the people, he said, this is the only way for you to escape this flood that's coming. We can live a life that's pointing our friends and our family that don't know about Jesus. All the people you know that don't know about Jesus, you can tell them about Jesus and say, this is the only way for you to get ready for this judgment that is coming. You're an enemy of God, but God has loved you so much that he sent Jesus to be, to be a way to be clean, to be forgiven of your sins. To be pleasing to God. You can point people to Jesus just like Noah pointed people to the ark. But if you don't believe in God's warning all that much, you probably won't live life thinking too much about that day, will you? You probably won't care to point people all much to that, that rescue plan that God has sent through Jesus, will you? But because Jesus has forgiven you of your sins, you can actually please God by listening to his warning. So let me, let me conclude with this thought. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. But if you have faith in Jesus, that Jesus has died so that you can be in a relationship with him, that he has forgiven you of your sins through what Jesus has done, you can please God. If today you realize that you need to have faith in Jesus like that. And, you, and you're confused, you want to know more about that? Please come, any of you. Now, I know I've been speaking to, in a way that I, I hope all of our children can understand. We, we hope to reap a good reward 
from the, the children that God has blessed us with. We hope to see them all have faith in Christ, but I'm saying this to everyone here. If you are sitting there urgently knowing, I need to know what it means to have faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sins, please come and talk with the pastor afterwards. We'd love to, t- we'd love to answer those questions for you. Let's go to God right now in prayer, believing that because Jesus died for us, he is pleased for us to come to him. Lord, we admit that we are your enemies, and because of our sin, we don't deserve your pleasure. Thank you, God, that Jesus has paid for our sins so that we can please you. And we know that the only way to be saved from your judgment to come is to have faith that Jesus has paid for our sins when he died on the cross. And I pray that you would help us to tell people about Jesus so that they can be saved too, Lord. God, as we sing these praises to you right now, I pray that you would be pleased with our worship. All these things in Jesus' name, amen.